0: Hello, witchy friends. Welcome to Cat's Tea and Witchcraft. My name is Fauna, and I am your host. This podcast is for those who are Wiccan, witches, and everything in between. Don't forget to follow the podcast social media pages at Cat's Tea and Witchcraft on Instagram, Cat's Tea and Witch on Twitter, and Cat's Tea and Witchcraft Podcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening to Cat's Tea and Witchcraft, and enjoy the episode. Hello witchy peeps, welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 97 and the topic that we are going to go over today is about the concept of initiation. Initiations are things that are common in covens and other magical organizations or other cultures and religions around the world of various sorts. And we're going to focus on a couple of those examples because some people are familiar with them and they give detail of kind of the idea of what initiations are without having to go through one yourself with a Wiccan coven or a witchcraft coven to understand the concept of it. But besides that, the herb or the plant of the week is pine, 204 of Cunningham's Encyclopedia of Magical Herbs. It says the gender for pines masculine, planet, Mars, element, air, Deities, Pan, Venus, Attis, Dionysus, Astarte, and Sylvanus. For powers, healing, fertility, protection, exorcism, and money. For magical uses, cones from pine trees are carried to increase fertility and to have vigorous old age. A pine cone gathered on midsummer is an awesome magical object. For if its possessor eats one pine nut from it every day, it will make him or her immune to gunshots. Disclaimer, I would not trust that because you could probably still get hurt. Moving on though, it says, Pine needles are burned during winter months to purify and cleanse the house. Scattered on the floor, they drive away evil. And when burned, exercise the area of negativity. They are also used in cleansing baths. Pine needles are burned to reverse and send back spells. Branches of pine placed above or over the bed keep sickness far away. In Japan, it was customary to place a pine branch over the door of the house to ensure continual joy within, for the leaves are evergreen. A cross made of pine needles placed before the fireplace keeps evil from entering through it. Pine is also used in money spells, and its sawdust is a base for incense. Next is A Witch's Guide to Wildcraft, and that starts on page 210. For Latin names, pinus, locations, landscapes, and forest. parts used, leaves, and resin, planetary ruler, Saturn. For uses, healing, cleansing, purifying, strength, and house and business blessing and for edibility it says all parts are edible for uses starting on page 212 it says i have listed saturn as ruler of pine based on the recommendation of agrippa however pine was also favored by other deities sybil was said to have turned her lover into a pine after he cheated on her dionysus and bacchus were said to have staffs with pine cones on top Pine was considered an herb of fertility and courage. Faunus, pan, also had an affinity for pine. The Greek magical papyri offers this formula for those who wish to be able to copulate a lot. Grind up 50 tiny pine cones with 2 ounces of sweet wine and 2 pepper grains and drink it. Good luck with that. Even if the offer of the spell was thinking about P. Halpenus or P. brutia, pines likely to have been found in Egypt that's a whole bunch of ground up pine cones continuing the idea of reproduction cupid was frequently depicted wearing a crown of pine pine boughs the plant was important to neptune because ships were made of the rot resistant pine wood while you can use pine and spells for reproduction for our purpose pine is most often used for health and protection pine is a wholesome cleansing healing herb. There is a reason why pine was considered, until recent years, the most popular fragrance for house-cleaning products. It was frequently used in sick rooms and hospitals. Just as it cleanses, it exercises. Pine can clear away negativity and ground the user in the area. And the last source I have is coming from Llewellyn's Complete Book of Correspondence, starting on page 162. It says, for the zodiac associated with pine is Aquarius, Aries, Cancer, Capricorn, Pisces, and Scorpio. For solar system, Jupiter, Mars, and Saturn. Day, Thursday. Celebrations, Beltane, Midsummer's Eve, and Yule. For rune, it's Ken. Elements, air, earth, and fire. Direction, east, energy, yang. Chakra, sacral. Animals, deer, and porcupine. For goddesses, Aphrodite, Artemis, Astarte, Cybele, Diana, Ishtar, Isis, Rhea, and Venus. For gods, Addis, Bacchus, Dionysus, Pan, Poseidon, Sylvanus, and Vulcan. For issues, intentions, and power. Abundance, activate, awaken. Banish, beginnings, bind. Blessing, confidence, courage. Creativity, cycles defense, desire, emotions, endurance, energy, fertility, freedom, friendship, grounding, spiritual growth, guardian, domestic harmony, heartbreak, hexes, the home, honor, hope, inspiration, intuition, justice, learning, longevity, defensive magic, memory or memories, money, motivation, negativity, peace, prosperity, purification, rebirth, renewal, reconciliation, release, reversal, self-work, the senses, spirits, spirituality, stimulation, strength, support, transformation, trust, truth, wealth, well-being, and wisdom. So that is all I have for you today on Pine So now on to today's topic, which is about initiation. So what does the word initiation mean? One definition from Merriam-Webster says, The rites, ceremonies, ordeals, or instructions with which one is made member of a sect or society or is invested with a particular function or status from dictionary.cambridge.org. It says a special ceremony or responsibility that signals the acceptance of someone into a group. And from dictionary.com, it says initiation means formal admission or acceptance into an organization or club, adult status in one's community or society, etc. And the ceremonies or rites of admission compared to rite of passage. So there's various but very similar meanings of what initiation means. Culturally or religiously, it can be something like rite of passage, coming of age, a birth, a death, a marriage, different things. Even just hitting puberty can be a rite of passage or almost like an initiation for a variety of things. In a lot of cultures, when someone turns a certain age, if it's 13, 16, 18, 21... I know in the United States that those are very popular, kind of almost rites of passage. When you turn 13, you're now a teenager. When you turn 16, you have the right and you can be essentially initiated by DMV and to be able to drive. And when you turn 18, you're legally adult and you can legally vote. And when you turn 21 in the U.S., I know this is different for other countries, but essentially you are a full-fledged adult and you can drink legally in the United States. So those are just some examples of social norms and kind of in different places or depending on how someone feels about it. People do have rituals for those events. They have parties, they have celebrations. You gain things such as a driver's license or the right to do something. So that's one, I guess you would consider normal things that many people in the United States would answer. Pardon that noise. The kitten is being a little rambunctious. I'm recording this at 930 at night and this is the time that the kitten gets zoomies one of the many times of the day. Anyway, so initiation also, besides those normal things in the U.S. and some other countries, are a little more complex, especially if they are from particular cultures or particular religions. I know in Judaism, at least when children turn 13, that's the bat mitzvah and the bar mitzvah. And then in other cultures, in with Native American cultures or different African cultures and other cultures found around the world, there are different things that those cultures do to essentially have, like I keep saying, a rite of passage or an initiation if it's into a certain status, if it's gender-based, if it's age-based. There are different traditions that different people of different cultures and religions do that are very particular to them. And in many cases, it's super, super vital and important to who they are as a person because it makes them feel either accepted or they are respected and they are seen in a certain light or a certain status after going through an initiation of some sort. So also, since I don't want to go too long without mentioning this, initiation can also happen in a variety of witchcraft groups or Covens. Generally, it happens with covens, not all witch groups or things like that, that are a little more public, but in covens that work in a more traditional sense, like gardenarians. I know my coven does an initiation process, and there are a variety of reasons for that, and I will go over that in a few minutes. But What a lot of people think outside of social norm initiations, such as birthday parties, graduations, and things like that, when they start thinking about groups, a lot of people's brains kind of move towards the idea of cult-like initiations. But not the good type of cults, like the really scary type of cults. And you think about the weird things you see in movies and read in books in what the news tries to project certain groups. And then there's like the concept of visuals that people have and have had of like, during the satanic panic in the 80s and 90s of the crazy things that go on during satanic rituals. Oh my God. The, the weird things that people <laughs> visualize with that. I can't confirm or deny what other groups that I'm not a part of, but there are sources out there that you can read in one example that I have today that I'm going to be using as my main reference on just information about basic rituals without breaking oaths and telling secrets is Thorn Mooney's book, Traditional Wicca, A Seeker's Guide. And I was going through this book, um, I started it a while ago, and I was kind of picking up to where I left and paid a little more attention on the section of initiation. And it has a lot of good details. And I'm going to go over some of those things with you at the end after I talk. But I just wanted a reference. um, Because she is a Gardnerian Wiccan. She is a high priestess of a Gardnerian coven that does initiations. I also said that my coven does initiations. And I have gone through an initiation process. Before I get any more into that is... It's not scary. It's really not scary. I'm not going to tell you what happened because every coven and every tradition may have a different initiation process. And that could involve giving an oath of some sort, promising to do XYZ, taking on either a special name or a special role... Or just promising to do certain things like working with the community or helping with this. And maybe you decide part of your initiation process is to pick a coven position. And also just promise not to be an asshole and protect everyone's identity. And maybe just some cool rituals that occur during that. I'm just spitting things off the top of my head. So there's a lot of things that can happen within rituals of initiation. And... I would just say if you're interested in joining a coven, but are off put about the idea of that there being an initiation process, there are a few reasons why that is important. And a lot of it generally comes down to safety. So now I'm going to start referencing certain passages in the traditional Wicca Seeker's Guidebook by Thorin Mooney. And if you are listening to this or re listening to this or want to get the book, I am starting on page 45. In the first thing that really stood out to me in regards to what an initiation means is essentially when you go through an initiation, it says that in traditional Wicca, initiation marks the seeker's transformation from outsider to insider. And that's important because usually from when you are in what is either called outer court or being a seeker and or a variety of names that someone can be called or just show their status in their process of working with a group or a coven makes a difference if you are initiated or not. Because once you become initiated, essentially that means they trust you to be a part of this group. They trust you with the information they provide you. They trust you with the well-being of the other members and yourself. And to either hold your promises that you make, if they're minor or not, even if it's like responsibility roles of maybe you're the timekeeper and you need to keep time. They are saying they think you are worth the time and effort they have put into you to shape you and teach you and bring you into essentially what is almost like a family so that everyone can work together smoothly. And that's a little hard to do when you consider someone an outsider, and not always in a bad way. Sometimes the concept of outsider is just someone who doesn't know the reins, doesn't know a ritual, or just is new in learning. So that is one of the things that popped out to me. The next thing I'm going to read is on page 47, and it seems to be a quote that was added to this book. And it says, Initiation should never be taken on lightly. In our modern pagan world, it sometimes feels like folks collect initiations like college degrees in order to have the title, and that's so not the right reason. I'm a Reclaiming Tradition initiate, a Gardnerian Wicca initiate, a Druid initiate, and self initiated. These traditions and initiations are vastly different, some of them being almost on opposite sides of the initiation spectrum. My initiations we're all a part of my personal spiritual development, folding and knowledge and faith from different vantage points. Each initiation has been woven into the complex tapestry that is me, and they all come at different points in my life. And that says it is from Phoenix Le Fay, Wiccan Priestess, and Reclaiming Witch. So the idea that I brought up earlier why in certain cultures, in groups, that initiations are really important. And some of that is for personal reasons, and some of that is for social and cultural and religious reasons. That what got you to your initiation point, usually there was a process. Some sort of learning process, if it was physical, mental just growing and aging and learning things, or if there was actual studying and commitment and going to classes and reading. And also in sometimes you have to prove you understand the knowledge that you were given if it's either reading or taking a test or verbal communication on a particular subject. After going through such a sometimes possibly long period of time, all the hard work that you've put into something, initiations should be something taken seriously because you have put so much work into it along with all the hard work that others put into you to get to that point. Another good example that I think that is kind of like an initiation is when you graduate from high school or college. There's so much learning you've done, so much attendance and energy, blood, sweat, and tears, and focusing on things from teachers, from friends, your parents, other family members, and yourself that went into getting to that moment where you receive your degree or your diploma. So a graduation is almost like an initiation yourself. It involved fees, it included attendance records, and having a lot of responsibility, but also putting your energy into it as well to reach that goal of initiation. So at that point, when you put so much work into something, the concept of initiation becomes a little bit more special. Because imagine working really hard for something and getting nothing for it. Some people are fine. They don't want to receive anything. But when it comes to going to school, you want to receive that degree or that diploma, you put in a shit ton of work. When you got that initiation, graduating from college, and you get a job, you, you want to be able to make money. You you want to get to that status point. And sometimes initiations like getting a degree, getting a, even just a high school diploma or going to trade school, whatever sort of thing you do, if I'm using the school example, is important for your future. And even if it's just a cultural concept of going through a certain tradition, sometimes those are important for social statuses in different cultures and religions around the world. Not just within traditional witch covens or traditional wiccan covens so for many groups if it's witch related or not if it's just other organizations that you might be a part of if it's to help the community or if it's just some other sort of thing one thing that comes to mind is freemasonry but a lot of the times there are things that kind of come along with it that kind of stinks sometimes in in some groups and organizations there are things such as fees or dues Another example of things like that is if you were a part of Greek life in colleges, I know specifically in the United States they have them, I don't know about the rest of the world, if you decide to join a fraternity or sorority, there's attendance records, there's fees, there's certain rules and procedures that you have to follow. Either you have to hold certain positions if you're voted into or if they just constantly are rotating. You have to attend a certain amount of events or be a part of recruiting processes. And in a lot of Greek life, in coven life, and other organizations, there are songs, rituals, phrases, or different ways of communication that you have to learn or things you have to keep on you for identification to signal that you are either a part of groups or that it's just a way, a different way to communicate with people. And sometimes that can be used for networking purposes and just other various things. Or if you meet people of a similar tradition or organizations from either different country, cities, state, whatever, there are different ways that connect people through organizations and events that have initiations. Some people, when it comes to identifying, people wear rings, pendants, amulets. They will have tags or pins, secret handshakes, or just various things that can happen that you learn after initiation processes that are kind of special to whatever group or organization that you are in. And sometimes that does sound weird still. It's like, why do you have to learn certain phrases? Why do you have to learn certain rituals? But particularly for witchcraft, since still this is a witchcraft podcast and you are here to learn about witchcraft, what's the importance of learning phrases or rituals or certain movements or learning how to use certain things when it comes to working with a coven and being initiated? And that reason is when everyone is on the same page and they know all of the same basics, rituals and group events will run so much more smoothly if people know what the fuck is going on. Imagine having a public event from people from all over the place, and the only thing they have in common is that they say they're a witch. None of their beliefs are the same. The types of magic they do aren't the same. But they're just coming together and trying to do a ritual. But they have no idea what other, uh, those other witches are doing. So that can make it very difficult. But when working with a coven and working with a group that you trust and love and if you guys are all on the same page, shit goes a lot more smoothly. So yeah, so the like I said, those are just examples of things that go on and why some of those things are important after you are initiated into said groups. But earlier, I did mention one of the big reasons why initiation is important is for safety reasons. Some of the safety reasons is for literal physical safety of the members Because for witchcraft example, a lot of people are still what we call in the broom closet. And if other people found out or people they didn't want to find out, and all of a sudden you have a coven member that's blabbing everyone's name and giving people's phone numbers and, oh yeah, our coven meetings are here on these days and this time. We have a ton of people, blah, blah, blah. Oh yeah, this person's a part of it. And the wrong person finds out, it could harm someone's life. Some people might get attacked. Some people might get bullied. Some people just might spread rumors because they don't know what the fuck is going on. And they might make lies and rumors just because they don't understand and there's some bad, mean people out there. And also, safety of not just the people, but the traditions themselves. And that, I think, is one of the bigger reasons people don't like the concept of initiation. Because to many people that attaches to the idea of gatekeeping. And I don't like the idea of gatekeeping either, but sometimes in this sense, gatekeeping might be good. The example that I'm going to give for the concept of possibly good gatekeeping is the example of Thorne Mooney. She's a writer, she goes to public events, She's a and high priestess, a Wiccan, and she has her own coven. And she writes books for you guys to read, for me to read, to learn about witchcraft, to learn about Wicca. But if you read her books, you're not going to find the secrets of her coven in there or the oath that she has taken. She's not going to give you that details. And a lot of other writers and witches aren't going to do that either. Like, there are things that I'm not going to tell you guys because... For the same reasons. There are secrets. There are oaths. There are privacy things that go on that y'all don't need to know. And there are secrets of organizations and covens that I don't need to know. Or I shouldn't know unless I'm an initiate. If I, I would need to be proven safe. To be trustworthy. To show that I'm dedicated. Because there's... So many annoying things that can occur when people become a part of groups or friend groups or whatever the situation and they just don't take things seriously or they abuse a situation or they mistreat people and take advantage of others or take advantage of a situation just for their benefit and it really doesn't benefit anyone else. So in a lot of cases, some of the privacy is to preserve tradition, preserve privacy, but just because and also just because not everyone needs to know everyone's business and doesn't need to know everything about every organization unless you're part of it. Same thing when you have a job, there are certain trade secrets of a company that you're not allowed to share with other companies or other people. It's need to know basis and stuff like that. So When people in the public are like, oh, the fact that they're initiated and they have secrets and there's something wrong. They're trying to hide something. There's something they don't want people to know and they're weaning people out because they're bad people. Some of that may be true for bad organizations. There's always organizations out there that have red flags and are really creepy and stuff like that. You don't, we're not talking about those groups. We are talking about groups that are trustworthy and do this for a reason. And... In some cases, and also for other cultures, like the things when it comes to certain Native American cultures and traditions and rituals and other ones that are found around the world in different cultures. Think close practices. There are different close practices that are found within the magical community that people get mad that they say are close practices. And in some cases, it is because there are groups of people out there who will take what they like, manipulate it, claim it for themselves, and that is when they get into the concept of cultural appropriation. Things get watered down, it gets stolen, it gets manipulated, and the roots, in the importance, and the foundation of certain rituals get lost in the process. I've talked about something like this when it comes to Reiki. I've done two episodes on Reiki, and one is just general information, but the other one is me diving into the concept of how American-based Reiki is very different than the original Japanese-based Reiki, and it's been watered down to fit the American social standard in understanding and loses a lot of its meaning because the Shintoism is pulled out from it. I do Reiki, but not a lot of people are aware of the things that are lost over the process that happened over the years, if it was good or bad. But same thing goes into other groups, other traditions, other practices, Unless you're a part of certain groups, you don't need all that information of those private groups. And in some cases, it's to prevent the, essentially the purity or the traditions to prevent them from getting manipulated. Because there are some shitty people out there that really don't give a fuck. And then they get mad about it. it in a lot of cases, that comes from a sense of privilege. whatever that privilege is if it's I I don't want to dive into that but some people feel and act very privileged when it comes to and get very angry when they don't get what they want so a lot of those people don't like the idea of needing to be initiated into certain organizations cultures traditions or religions because they want something easier they don't want to have to work for things. They just want all information at their fingertips. They get so used to the internet and having lots of information in books and on the radio and everything. Everything's instant and in. they feel they deserve to have all the information they want. And in some cases, you do not. So for those who don't want to be part of a coven because it's too hard for them to wait or to have to work towards something, That's your problem and you need to deal with that. But for those who are a little nervous about it but do want to experience having or working with a coven that isn't necessarily just a public group that everyone goes and there's not really structure or maybe it's just on occasion. But if you want to find, in some cases, what ends up being people's chosen families, initiations really aren't going to be that bad if you find a group that shares the same values as you. You don't feel pressured, you don't feel forced, and you're not doing anything you really don't want to do. So, like for example, I would at this point in my life never consider being a part of a Gardnerian coven because I know that they work Skyclad. That's not something that I would find valuable in my practice, but for others, it is. And in some groups, they focus more on the concept of love and light, but not all witches and also just Wiccan witches. They don't always want to work too much with the love and light concept either. So you want to find a group that is comfortable, matches your morals, and you can maintain an attendance record if there's just small minor fees for like books and materials, which are fine. I've talked about that in the past before. And just other things like... If they require you to be somewhere four to five days a week, I would say that is way too much and maybe not something you should be a part of. But if it's something that's just a couple times a month or not very long, or also there's things you can do at home and that are provided or you guys communicate in different ways, that's something you should more look for if you were looking for a coven or a witch coven or a Wiccan coven. And also just since I mentioned the idea of red flags and very suspicious things, There is a difference between initiation processes and hazing. This might be something of me just processing the idea of Greek life and what we see on TV. And in some cases is real, the idea of hazing to join sororities or fraternities. In many cases nowadays, this is really being cracked down on because it's a lot of times really dangerous. And just mentally and sometimes physically abusive. Which was 100% wrong. But... There is a difference between an initiation process and a hazing process. If you, like, you feel like you are being hazed or other people are encouraging you to haze or you are getting hazed, that is definitely a red flag. If something makes you uncomfortable, is exploiting you, if it's financially or exploiting your time beyond something that you originally agreed or committed to, Those are just some examples of things you need to watch out for that are definitely red flags. Even if an initiation process follows afterwards, hazing should not be a part of your initiation process. There is a difference between required to do some work, like some homework, some reading, and having some attendances for classes. That's a very different situation. That's not hazing. But if someone is required you to do something that's sexual, physically abusive, emotionally abusive, bullying or anything like that, that is along the lines of hazing and abuse that is something you should run away from. And those are the things that I feel like get pulled into our perspectives of things when it comes to joining organizations and groups because a lot of people have seen that in real life, but also we see it on TV and read about it and hear about the worst case scenarios. And it really does put a damper on organizations that really aren't that bad. That is another thing just to look out for. So honestly, that is all I have for you today. I kind of wanted to go on a rant about the concept of what an initiation is because it does make some people uncomfortable. And if something makes you uncomfortable, that is something that, that's fine. You don't want to do things that make you uncomfortable to a certain point. If, like, if you're uncomfortable about speaking in public and you're just in a small group of a couple people in an outer quarter. even if you do get initiated on occasion you are required to speak and be a part of ritual, that is something you might have to get used to because that is one of the things you have to do to be a part of a group. You can't just sit there and people just tell you things. If you're trying to participate in doing magic, you're going to have to participate. But that is something that isn't going to be hazing or abuse. And a little bit of pushing yourself out of your box is good because that allows you to grow you don't really grow if you aren't a little bit uncomfortable or a little bit stressed like when you study stress is studying is stressful but once you finish the studying and get a good grade or you process and pass something it was worth the time at that point point. and then it just becomes habit and a part of what you do But yeah, that is all I have for you today. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you have any questions, feel free to message me on Instagram, Twitter, or send me an email. Like I say every week, I appreciate every single one of you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Have a great one. Blessed be.